Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. I am Hal, and if you want to help the show, you know the drill by now. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and a review, tell other people what you love about the show so they can fall in love too, and we can get that merch. But for now, please enjoy this episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. And I'm Mark. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best John Hughes movie. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. How we're in the same room again. We did it. We did it. You put your hand up. I thought you wanted to high five. I'll high five you. Yeah, you hear that? That's the sound of Hal and I not doing this across the internet. Yeah, can't do that over an ISDN. We don't have an ISDN line. No, come on. What are we, what are, what are we fancy? Yeah, no. O- over two internet connections. Yeah, exactly. Over a Wi-Fi that you say a little prayer before you turn it on. <laughs> How bad is the internet in, in Montreal? Actually, oh man. So I always, whenever I, whenever I go to a place where there's Wi-Fi, um, I, uh, the first thing I do, I have the app, I, and I know the website, it's in my browser permanently, yeah. speedtest.net. Sure. Every time. Just to see what I can get away with doing. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm gonna be sitting in like a, uh, cafe or something and I'm gonna be working, I'm like, alright, how much work can I actually get done? Um, and, uh, I'll tell you this, in New York City, Starbucks has the best. Really? Starbucks runs at like 30 to 40 oh. megabits. Wow, that's really good. Uh, my apartment here, uh, <laughs> this runs at about, because it's like a, a apartment, like I guess they're designed to be, you know, there's not a million people on it, it's just me on it, uh, runs at about, uh, 80, which is nice. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. I was, I was real excited when I moved into this place and I was like, oh, fingers crossed, let's see how the Wi-Fi does. When you, now prior, where you lived prior to this, uh huh, was, was the, had been the home of Tommy Hackey. Our yes. guest, who is an engineering wizard, and how fast? Well, no, that's is? Juliana's place. Right, but but you were there for a while. I was as staying well. there for a bit. Yeah, but he he had wired the internet yeah. when he was there. How fast was He's it? He's an engineer. Yeah, uh, it was a hundred and fifty. <laughs> so I got to my uh, I got to my place in Montreal, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, "Here's the Wi-Fi password." And I sat down. I was like, I was fully prepared for it to be like, "Oh, here's gonna come up like six megs a second. Yeah. All right, let's see. 252. What is that in US? Oh yeah, it's the metric system there. So. It's only 10. Yeah, right? it's only 10. Oh, it's not that fast. It's sorry. the fastest internet I've ever seen in my life. That's incredible. I was so excited. I was and a- I feel like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I want to hear, I want to hear what you think. I feel like, uh, I've heard this elsewhere that other, other countries and other places like the, 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 the big corporations that run telecom here, uh, have kind of, uh, worked with each other to keep things not crazy great. They're like choking bandwidth. Yeah, they they choke bandwidth. They keep the prices high. Um, when we were in France, they were like, "Oh yeah, a cell phone in France is twenty dollars a month for everything." I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like, oh yeah, in the United States, you guys just pay way too much for it. And I'm wondering if it's that way in Canada that they're like, "No, no, no, that's average Wi-Fi." 
Like, what is, what is this <laughs> baloney that I got, Spectrum? <laughs> Everything here is very fast. I don't know what your problem is. What? What's wrong with your internet? What country do you think I live in now? You know, the land of Norway. Are you? <laughs> Hello, I'm from Montreal, Norway. How are you doing over here? We speak French some of the time, but other times we speak our own language, which is Norse. <laughs> At first, I thought you were doing Mipos. Now we do it, the dance of joy. Yeah. Da, 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 I don't remember da, 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 hey, how the song went. Hey, hey, hey. Any dance that ends with Mark Lynn Baker jumping into your arms is the greatest dance in the world. Like, <laughs> asked and answered. Yeah, asked and answered. That should be like required to play at every wedding, and Mark Lynn Baker has to go to the wedding, and then it's like, it's like okay, it's time for the dance of joy, and then he he jumps into the bride's arms. <laughs> And if he lands properly, that's seven years good luck. I'm a huge Mark Lynn Baker fan. Sure, he's great. I saw him on Broadway, uh, and boy, is he good. People only know of him as Cousin Larry, yeah. or, or mostly know of him as Cousin right. Larry. but he's a legendary Broadway star. Yes. Wasn't yeah. he in the film version of My Favorite Year? I'm not I'm sure. He was in the, I don't know. I never saw that. I'm he was in the film of. version of Noises Off. He was in Noises Off, as yes. As Tim. Great in that. brilliant. He was in, I don't know if it was My Favorite Year. He was in another like Broadway adaptation, like another, just a brilliant. One of the big ones. Brilliant performer. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about Mark Lynn Baker. But we are here to talk about films. We are. The films of John Hughes. Yes, this was suggested by Colette Fafard. Thank you very much, Colette. Uh, this is very exciting because I know we're both big John Hughes fans. We are. What was your, like, did you have, because we're, we're roughly the same age. We yes. had that childhood. We, we did. We had a John Hughes childhood. The first John Hughes movie that I saw in a theater was Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm -hmm. which I saw – my parents and I went to see two movies that day. We saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off and then we went to see Back to School. I don't remember the order, but they were two different theaters. Right. And in between uh -huh. because it was summertime. Is Back to School an R-rated movie? It is an R-rated movie. And you yeah. were a little kid. I was a little kid. I was nine. Come on, Bill. It was Sheila too. They they share they share the blame. Yeah, they share the blame of taking a nine year old to a to an R rated Rodney Dangerfield movie. We went to toss a frisbee around between the in between uh, movies. Uh -huh. We got to the second movie theater early. By the way, both of those movies have twist and shout in it, mm -hmm. which is odd that to see them both in one day. But I threw the frisbee huh. into my mom's face, <laughs> which which is not the first time I'd injured her with sporting equipment. What was the first time? We went to mini golf and uh -huh. I was like, I'm going to cock back on this. Like I'm really swinging a, uh, like at a golf ball. Oh. And when I cocked back, I hit my mother in the face with the golf club. You know what's funny? Uh, some, I forgot who it was. One of my brother's buddies did that to him, uh, Ooh. when they were kids. And, uh, he had like a little, uh, Char Charlie Manson X in the middle of his forehead <laughs> <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, I wasn't strong enough to do any permanent yeah, damage to my mother. That's good. That's good. good thing. Didn't, like knock her to the ground, America's funniest videos style. No, she was very lucky that she was raising a weakling. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't really do any damage, even with a golf club. Those things are heavy. Those I wanna, mini golf. You, you posted a, a lovely photo of you and your mom yes. uh, on the internet the other day. And there's something about that photo I want to ask you about, Hal. The haircut? Yeah, man. I, I don't remember if it was, if, if it was around this time. It looks like the haircut that, uh, Robert Downey Jr. would have gotten for one of these 80s movies and then looked in the mirror and gone, it's a little much, guys. <laughs> this, this had to be, I think I was like 17 years old. Uh huh. And I wanted long hair. Uh huh. But I had really long bangs. I, I'd had, <laughs> I'd had longer hair, but it got cut by a girl I had a crush on. She cut my bangs with a kid scissors. Then I what? got a whole haircut. 
So I had a lot of weird hair stuff. And at that point, I was like, I'm going to grow uh, super long bangs. And my bangs were down to my chin. Yeah. And I thought, like, this is really cool. Sure. Yeah, it was in the, it was, this was roughly, uh, Eddie Furlong, uh, Terminator 2 era. Yeah, lo- well, the, a little when later. The long, crazy long bangs were in. Yeah, Nirvana, like early, like sure. Kurt Cobain with the longer hair. Eddie, like everybody had grungier kind of hair. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it was cool enough for that as much as like, I'm just going to grow my hair long because I, I like it like this. You're lucky, uh, being Jewish, not having the crazy curly hair because I'm Italian. Yes. And if I tried to grow my hair long, I did uh, on a few, a few occasions, I tried to grow my hair long as a kid and i just got crazy little italian fro when you do it now for a job you look like carmine <laughs> laverne and shirley you just have like a big poof oh yeah when i did the i did the play where i played um uh charles dickens yes and i had this in, i was like i'm just gonna let my hair grow and it was it's the crazy longest my hair has ever been that's the longest your hair ever uh in the front i did have a mullet back in the day sure we all did sure uh, but my mullet even was like curly. It would curl up. Like when it was wet, it came yeah. down to like as far down as I can reach, uh, from overhand on my back. Okay. Uh, but when it was not wet, it was just like a little, it was like somebody had just glued a series of brown koosh balls to the back of my <laughs> neck. <laughs> it was the strangest, strangest haircut. Um, but not as weird as my, like, odd. It looks like I put a wig on the wrong way. <laughs> like you put a mullet wig on backwards. Yeah. I was like, is this how you do it? Is sure. this how you have long hair? Oh, my God. Um, but she had also had a 90s haircut. It's not sure. like she was getting away, like, guilt-free yeah. in that one. No, no, no. She had uh, she had some – look, everybody – what was your – was that your weird fa- weirdest phase? I mean, I had a bowl cut when I was very little, but uh-huh. I was very little. Uh yeah, I <laughs> – well, what happened later, the next year, I did – we did uh, The Miser. That was our spring play. And I uh-huh. was Cleant, the, the the one of the young suitors. Mm-hmm. And we we set it in the 19th century or early 20th, so I had spit Sure, because you can't do uh, – you can't do a classical uh, restoration work of literature or a Shakespeare play or any old thing. And just have it be that time. No. The costumes are very expensive. <laughs> exactly. So I've got like spats on. I've got the whole deal. And we trained my hair into spit curls. Ooh. So my hair still curls that way. If it grows out a little bit, it curls into a little From spit that curls. show? Yeah. It's like a little – like it, it vaguely moves in that direction. It's not like perfect oh my God. spit curls anymore. <laughs> but that was my first uh, John Hughes. It was Ferris Bueller. What about you? Uh, I think my first, well, I, for me, I, I was never growing up into, um, like, I, I didn't have that 16 candles breakfast club, like brat pack run, mm-hmm. which I'm surprised looking at this. Did he have anything to do with pretty in pink? Was that not him? I think maybe he produced that. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm I, we, I have his, uh, his IMDb page. He, he might have been now. involved in it. If not, it's one of those movies that you think that's that you, not a John Hughes exactly. film. Exactly. Like that. That era, you think of all of those as being John Hughes movies. Right. Um, but it was not. It was, um, uh, 16 Candles and the Breakfast Club were his. But I came to the Breakfast Club and 16 Candles much later. Right. I think it was the mid nineties when I saw those, when I was old enough to understand them. Yeah. He um, wrote Pretty in Pink, but did not direct gotcha. it. Gotcha. That's what it was. Um, but yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, was an early one for me. Mm-hmm. And I loved Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was the world's coolest person to me. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point of that movie is the world's coolest kid, uh, who is just, everyone loves him and he's kind to everybody. He's not like cool because he's a jerk. He's cool because he, because he's just 
great. Yeah, he's smart. Yeah. He's, he's Bugs Bunny. Yeah, he, exactly. Um, but I think my first one that I actually saw before that was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Sure. And, oh, man, that is... That's going to be a tough one to beat for me. Like, just for me personally, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is such a perfect, a perfect movie. Uh, the two lead characters in it, uh, played by Steve Martin and John Candy. John Candy, his monologue, his, I like me. My wife likes me. Right. That monologue still breaks my heart. So it was one, it was one of the first times in a movie that I remember, um, my heart breaking for the lead characters and not just laughing the whole time. Sure. That, and it really, it was, it, it reminded me that a movie could raise the stakes just by making you fall in love with the characters. And I think that's what John Hughes did so well was just write amazing characters. I mean, yeah. Look at Ferris Bueller's day off. Um, uh, his, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. His best friend, Cameron, Cameron. Thank you. Cameron is, like every character is drawn so perfectly. Yeah. And Cameron's just sitting there going, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. That yeah. is like two words repeated over and over again become this character. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a depth. I, I think to everything that, that he does, he balances comedy and drama really, really well. The, mm-hmm. the like, obscenely ridiculously cartoony with grounded moments that that everybody can relate to i mean even mm-hmm. home alone uh oh. is what was his involvement in home alone did he write it he wrote home alone he, and chris columbus directed it right chris columbus directed it great uh but i think he wrote it did he write he it? he did write it yeah. yes of course uh all right he directed one, two, three, he four, eight movies. five. Yeah. So I'm going to say the eight movies. Then I think we should go through, cause here's the thing. We were talking about this earlier is it's hard to, like he wrote vacation. Mm-hmm. He wrote the short story it was based on for, right. for the lampoon. And then it eventually became that movie. He wrote home alone. He, he wrote, wrote Christmas vacation. He wrote Chris, yes. Like prodigious writer. So is there a movie he wrote? That can beat any of these eight films. I think that's what's going to be fun to figure out. Now, also, is there a movie that Edmund Dantes wrote? Yeah. Uh, that can beat either. Drop some knowledge. Okay. So, uh, late in his career, uh, John Hughes was doing prolific, uh, amounts of writing and, uh, and not all of the things that he wrote were necessarily great. And when it got to the point where, or that he did not think they were going to be great. Uh, so when he would lend his hand to something, uh, and he did not want it to be considered a John Hughes thing, then he wrote it under the pseudonym Edmund Dantes, which I found out not from, not from reading from Wikipedia <laughs> that Edmund Dantes <laughs> is, uh, because I am not well read. Sure. Uh, is the Me main neither. character in the Count of Monte Cristo. Which is great that it is an alias. The Count of Monte Cristo is an alias, and his alias was the character's actual name from the Count of Monte Cristo. Very clever. So that, classic John Hughes. The, classic John Hughes. That includes uh, that includes such classics as uh, Beethoven mm-hmm. and uh, Drillbit Taylor. Okay. Uh, Made in Manhattan. Sure. Uh, yeah, some some stuff that's not going to win. Here, here's what I suggest we do. Let's okay. take one. What is it, Edmund? One Edmund Dantes. One Edmund Dantes. Let's pick. Let's also pick one movie 
that he either produced or or uh, wrote but did not direct. Mm-hmm. And then – And then one of his directed. Let's pick written one of directed. his directed and we'll see. So I think for the Edmund Dantes, it's got to be Beethoven. It's right? got to be Beethoven, yeah. Beethoven. Beethoven's really fun. It's a fun movie. Sure. It's Charles Grodin uh, being grumpy with a hilarious dog. Look, yeah. there's a reason they made five of these. No, wait. Six, seven of them. Is there a reason? It goes, up Is through, it-, it goes up through Beethoven's fifth, and then there was Beethoven's Christmas Adventure and Beethoven's Treasure Tale. Do you really t- – T-A-I-L? Of course. <laughs> now, these are just – this. those actually – I. to be fair, those he did not uh, write. Those were just based on original characters. Sure. By, him, by Edmund Dantes. I, he only wishes he wrote Treasure Tale. Yeah. Do, do you think, Mark – are you are you telling me – Uh-huh. In front of these microphones and everyone, uh-huh. that you think the reason why they made a bunch of Beethoven movies is because the first one was so good. No, they were like, was, we can't stop here. Well, it was. I thought it was a good movie. It's a good family movie. It was. I remember it being fine. I cannot tell you much else about it. All right. Who's who? Else? Charles Grodin's in it. Who else? Uh, a Saint Bernard. Charles Grodin, a Saint, a big Saint Bernard. Let's see who else is in Beethoven. Um, it feels like the kind of movie like Lily Tomlin's also in this. It is. Oh, Bonnie Hunt. Bonnie Hunt. Bonnie Hunt. Bonnie Hunt. Uh, the the woman who got me my start in Los Angeles. Yes, and the great one Bonnie of, Hunt. One of the kindest people in show business and hilarious. Uh, yeah, and really, aside from being uh super kind, she's hilariously funny. Oliver Platt, Stanley Tucci, uh, David Duchovny, Patricia Heaton. Like, it's got a good cast. Look, that's a great cast, but, and and we'll take that movie, and it can sit in a in a ratty cigar box. Yeah, that we toss into a donation pile. Oh, later. Now let's go to movies he produced but did not produced or wrote, but did not direct. Okay. Um. I'm going to give you just some of the. I'm going to yeah. give you some greatest. Give me the hits. Give me these. the hits. Because there are some. There are some ones that are really surprising that I did not realize that John Hughes wrote. It occurred to me, by the way, when you said he did Vacation and Christmas Vacation, that mm-hmm. we need to do a Best Vacation movie at some point. Yeah, and it's just going to be a battle between Vacation and Christmas Vacation, and we might do that right here and right now. No, no, we won't. We will talk about European Vacation. <sighs> European we will va- talk about it. European Vacation. I watched again about six months ago. And I went, I loved this movie as a kid. Pick it a poke. It is. It's pretty bad. Listen, we'll deal with this later. Oh, I right. will not have you besmirch Amy Heckerling. <laughs> all right. Um, here are some movies that he wrote but did not direct. Okay. Um, I'm only going to give you the, the big ones. Sure. And then there are really only a couple of contenders in here, I think. Okay. Uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Sure. Which was based on, uh, based on a short story that he wrote when he was working at the National Lampoon back when the National Lampoon had an epic writing staff. Yes. Um, it was a, a short story called Vacation 58, uh, that became the, the movie National Lampoon's Vacation. He also wrote Mr. Mom. Mm hmm. Uh, he wrote Pretty in Pink. Yep. Uh, now I'm not sure. I'm just with this list. I'm looking at is the movies that he wrote. Some of these may also be ones that he directed. Sure. Uh, so you pull up. The I will list tell of you. I have. Directed. I have that list. Um. Uh. Pretty in Pink. Uh. Let's see. She's. Oh no. She's having a baby. He directed. He did direct that. Yes. Uh, Some kind of wonderful. Did, did he not direct that? direct that? No. Uh. Uncle Buck. Uh. He did not direct that. Uncle Buck. The Great Outdoors. I loved that. Oh movie. no. He did direct Uncle he Buck. Uncle Buck. He did direct uh, Uncle the Great Buck. Outdoors. National Lampoon's va- Christmas Vacation. Yes. 
This one's going to be hard to beat. Home Alone. Can't beat Home Alone. It's really, it might. You can't. It's so good. You can't. This won't be the first time we've talked about Home Alone on the show because we had it in our Christmas movies episode. True. It's a flawless movie. It is. And it Uh, actually has a lot of the hallmarks of, of a great John Hughes film with the cartooniness of a Chris, Christopher Columbus. Yeah, so it was kind of a perfect film. marriage, and and it did have that heart with the uh, with the old man next door. Yes, um, he also wrote uh, Career Opportunities. Oh, I love that movie. I had a big crush on uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, back that's uh, and Frank Whaley was the other guy in it. Yes, yes, he was. And it was that that was the and trapped Dermot in, Mulroney was trapped in, in a mall too. overnight. That was in the, a Target or in a Target, um, which is a hilarious fun premise. She sneaks into a Target, and he is working there. Gotcha, uh, Dutch. The Ed O'Neill classic. I love Dutch. Dutch was supposed to be Ed O'Neill's vehicle out of, like, into stardom mm-hmm. from, not that he was leaving Married with Children, but, like. From TV was, to movies. He was Al Bundy. Yeah. He was only Al Bundy. Uh, this movie, he's so good. It's such a good nuanced performance. Again, has all, hits all the emotional notes of a really good John Hughes film. Mm-hmm. A young Ethan Embry is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it, he couldn't get out of the gravitational pull of Married with Children. Yeah, because that's one of the all-time icons. And he finally did it with Modern Family. Yes. Um, yes, he did. So you also have Dennis the Menace, Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, the redo with, with Mara, with our friend Mara. With our friend Mara, um, which is uh, – it's not as good as the first one. It's hard to beat the original. It's hard to beat the original. It is a very, very – very sugary sweet movie. Yes. Um, like they had gauze over the lens the whole time. Like it, <laughs> the whole thing is, yeah. It's like, it's like they looked at a Hallmark movie and were like, well, oh, these are a little gritty. <laughs> uh, but it's, but I still watch it every year. Sure. And I love it. Um, he wrote Home Alone 3, of course. Sure. Uh, 101 Dalmatians. The live action. The live action, 101 Dalmatians. With, with the late Natasha Richardson, the late great. Flubber. Oh, uh, yeah. Starring the great Robin Williams. Late great. Late great yeah. Robin Williams. And I'm going to throw this movie out there because I love this movie. Okay. It's not as good as Home Alone. Okay. It's not, the, the one that's going to come out of this is probably going to be. It's, I feel like it's going to be Home Alone versus Vacation. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm with you. But this movie, I just want to give a shout out. Beethoven's second. Baby's Day Out. Oh gosh! Did the, you ever the, see the movie Baby's Day Out? Where it's like Baby Mister Magoo, the baby's exactly it's like an old cartoon. It is the baby's like going wonderful. between girders and stuff. This movie was right? introduced to me by yeah, it, yeah. It's Mister Magoo. It like walks across a construction site. Mister Magoo, goo gaga. Boo! Get out of my apartment. <laughs> I'm leaving. Um, it was can't fire me. I quit. So the movie, the premise of the movie is um. Uh, there is a baby has a book that's called Baby's Day Out that, mm-hmm. that the mother played by Laura Flynn Boyle reads to the baby. Uh, and it says all the different places in the city that the baby goes. And, uh, the baby apparently who is, who has like, uh, reading comprehension and retention at this infancy age. Yeah. Um, leaves the apartment. Uh, and goes on this adventure where the baby wants to go see all these places, which include a construction site, the zoo. Uh, now. 1970s Times Square. Right. Exactly. Now, all of, all of this is happening while three bumbling burgers, uh, are. Hamburgers? Burglars. Did I say oh, burgers? You did say burgers. I meant burglars. 
Uh, three bumble. I, I don't even remember if they're burglars or if they're kidnappers. Like they're because they're rich. The the family is very wealthy, and I think they want to kidnap the baby. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. It's they're three. Three. I'm reading this now. Three enterprising kidnappers who pretend to be photographers from the newspaper. Enterprising. Yeah, enterprising. Uh, they successfully kidnap the baby, whose name is Bink, but then they have a hard time keeping hold of the baby once they have kidnapped the baby, as this baby now decides, well, now that I'm out of the house, thanks to these kidnappers, I'm going to go on these adventures. And the beauty of this movie is uh, the three burglars, played by uh, Brian Haley, uh, Joey Pants, Joe Pantoliano, and Joe Mantegna as the ringleader. Wow. It's a great cast. The best, I, Aaron Abrams introduced me to this movie when we were in college and he was like, you gotta watch Baby's Day Out. I was like, man, I don't know. He's like, just trust me. The best thing about this movie is it's just, it's Wiley e. Coyote. It's Wiley e. Coyote and the Road Runner. Right. And every time there is an antic that ends horribly for the bad guys, it ends horribly for, uh, so Joe Mantegna plays Eddie and the other two are Norby and Vico. It ends Horribly for Vico, horribly for Norby, and then a million times worse for Joe Mantegna as Eddie. So, like, <laughs> when the other two guys fall off a building, Joe Mantegna falls off a building and hits every rung of the fire escape on the way down. At one point, the baby, uh, they're, they're hiding the baby under a blanket from a cop that shows up, and, uh, and the baby just takes a lighter to, that he finds in one of their pockets to Joe Mantegna's crotch and Joe Mantegna getting his junk lit on fire while trying to talk to a cop who does not know he's hiding a kidnapped baby under his blanket is a masterclass in, <laughs> in over the top comedy performance. <laughs> this movie is so, so funny. It is watch it with junk food. Don't like, <laughs> just like sit down on the floor with a pile of junk food and watch this movie and you'll have a great time. Okay. Uh, you sold me on it. Yeah. I'll watch it with you. We'll watch it we together. We will watch this movie together. Uh, but that's probably not going to beat Home Alone because Home Alone is just the better version of that. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? Home Alone or Vacation? Gosh. Is that what it, is that what it comes down to? Yes, it does. And there are, there are two very, uh, I, Vacation is a more important film to me because it's maybe the first comedy I ever remember watching. Oh wow! That that I watched when I was like seven. Man, my parents showed it to me. Your I didn't parents it. really did not care about the rating system that the Motion Picture Academy has no. put out. They used their own discretion. I thought it was hilarious, so funny. And as I've grown up, I appreciate more and more of the humor in it. It's such mm-hmm. an iconic film. I think of it as a Harold Ramis movie more than I think of it as a John Hughes movie. Interesting. And now, the, do you think of Home Alone as a Chris Columbus movie? No, I never think of, I, I, and not that I don't enjoy the work of, of Christopher Columbus. I like nine months just as much as the next guy, <laughs> but there's something that feel like you would almost go, John Hughes didn't direct Home Alone. Cause yeah. it hits those notes. It, it feels like a John Hughes it's movie. It's his voice. That, that we came to know honed at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but yeah, I think objectively speaking, which is what we try to do on this show. Yes. I think objectively home alone is more of a John Hughes movie and is, uh, and is the more, you know, universally revered film. There's not a moment in that movie that is that, and it doesn't, and uh, vacation 
while it does have all of that heart, you feel Clark Griswold and his love for his family and Beverly D'Angelo's uh, trying to hold this thing together. Yeah. Yeah. She was Marge Simpson before Marge Simpson was Marge Simpson. 100%. Um, but yeah, it does. It, it feels like a Chevy Chase movie or a, um, Harold or a Harold Ramis movie. Uh, and Home Alone feels like a John Hughes movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think we have our contender. We have two of the three contenders already. We How do. deep into this episode are we? We're probably about 25 minutes in. Oh, this is not going to be long. No. It's a good time to take a break. Let's do it. And then when we come back, we'll go through the eight films. Wow. He only directed eight movies, and yet... Everyone knows his name. Everyone knows his name. He's like Norm. We'll be right back. I can't hear are you myself, but I'm assuming that... These are real podcast listeners, not actors. And hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan, Jesse, go. And it's free. Jordan, Jordan Jesse, go? go. Jordan, Jesse, go. Jordan, Jesse, go. A real podcast. Beloved Maximum Fun Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, is going out on tour. We are bringing Greatest Gen Con to a bunch of cities in the U.S. and Canada. It's our big tribute to slash send-up of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And we have a big leg coming up. Yes, we are raising our legs on a number of cities <laughs> in the coming weeks. We're going to Washington, D.C. on August 23rd. The Bell House in Brooklyn, New York on August 24th. Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts on August 25th. Pittsburgh on the 28th. Boston, Massachusetts at the Wilbur Theater on the 29th. Atlanta, Georgia at the Earl on the 30th. Ferndale, Michigan at the Magic Bag on the 31st. Those are some great big rooms and some great big cities, Ben. And it's a really fun show. It's accessible even if you haven't listened to the podcast yet. We can't wait to see you when we're out on tour. Check greatestgencon.com for dates and ticketing information. And Khan is spelled K-H-A-N because Wrath of Khan. Greatestgen, K-H-A-N.com. Eight movies. Eight movies. Directed by John Hughes. I'll give them to you. We've already talked about two of them briefly. We've mentioned two of them. Let me give them to you in in chronological order. Is this easier? Is this This easier? This is his filmography. I I like it. You're looking at some very long text document that you keep having to scroll through. I'm just looking at pictures (laughs) of movie posters. This is this is Kate McManus's crack research that she put together. Kate McManus, we love you. We love you, Kate. Here here it is. And I I don't want now I feel bad for saying that. That's okay. That's a, well, I have it on a phone, so it wasn't meant to be viewed on a phone, but right. I'm good. Here we go. This is the first film he directed, Out of the Gate, 16 Candles in 1984. Man, that's a, what a debut. Then in 1985, The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Followed also in 1985 by Weird Science. Man, what a, what a trio in two years. Yep. Then number four, Ferris Bueller's Day Off in 86. Followed in 87 by Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. 88 is She's Having a Baby. 89, Uncle Buck. 1991, Curly Sue, the last film he would direct. All of these are great movies. Yes, they are. Um, can we agree that both Curly Sue and She's Having a Baby are not going to make yes. it? Yes. 
Um, but I would like to say about Curly Sue. Yes. I thought that movie was so sweet and charming and fun when I saw that as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Jim Belushi, that was the first time that and Mr. Destiny was at the baseball one that he did. Yes. I thought he was, and like, you know, Jim Belushi is, people make jokes about Jim Belushi because of how amazingly wonderful his brother was. Right. And because he has, he does not have the benefit, he has the, the misfortune of not being John. Correct. Um, but I've always really liked him. I thought he was great in, uh, in Curly Sue. I thought he was great in Mr. Destiny. I thought he was great as Bonnie Hunt's husband in, um, in Return to Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just a really affable, when he's playing an affable doofus, he's really good at it. He's a talented guy, uh, very funny, mm-hmm. good in this movie. Uh, the little girl who plays Curly Sue. Allison Porter. Allison Porter, also great. Had an amazing resurgence, by the way. Really? Yeah. So Allison Porter, we used to go to, uh, we used to go to a, um, a, uh, cabaret? No, a, uh, a, a Karaoke bar. Okay. And she ran a karaoke night, uh, at a bar that was a lot of fun. And you know how like the people that run, whoever runs a karaoke bar will get up periodically and sing. It was sure. an amazing singer. And, uh, Allison, like, and I remember when we would go to this, people were like, that's the girl that played Curly Sue. And we always thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and she has since, uh, since performing in Curly Sue, uh, she became, uh, she went on, what, what show was it that she went on? I'm trying to find it right now. It was, uh, one of the singing shows. One of the, okay. oh, the voice. Like the voice. Oh, she was on the voice. She went on the voice as a contestant mm-hmm. and crushed it. She's an amazing singer, which is a cool thing to find out about this kid actor who grew up to be just an epically great singer. Right. So wanted to just say they're both, I think they're both awesome. Um, 100%. Uh, and they were the heart of that movie, obviously, but Curly Sue is not going to be uh, yeah, the victor. They stand among giants. Yes, that's the thing. She's having a baby has the same problem. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I do not remember ever seeing she's having a baby. Yep. I The one I remember is... Oh, there's another one. He said, she said. The one he did uh, that was Kevin Bacon and um, Elizabeth Perkins. I remember that one a lot more. Oh. And I also remember For Keeps with Molly Ringwald. Where she is a teenager who gets pregnant <laughs> and they move into like some weird industrial apartment and they just have like a shower in the middle of the room by itself. There's no bathroom. There's just a shower in the middle of the room, which I thought was like, who lives here? It seems dirty. <laughs> I'm going to go back to this R rated theater. Yeah. I have to go back and see boobies on screen. <laughs> Can't deal with this dirty well, shower. Uh, not, not to get too adult on our, yes. on our family friendly show. Yes. First time you see boobies in a movie as a kid is. Pretty exciting. It's very eye-opening. It's very eye-opening. All right. I'm going to end it at that. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about these movies. Uh, I'm also going to, should we just start eliminating them and then giving them their due as we eliminate them? We haven't done that in a while. Yeah. May I start? Please. I'm going to eliminate 16 candles. Wow. It is a great film. It captures so much about, uh, what it is to feel ignored or feel invisible mm-hmm. in a, whether you're in a family and it's your sister's wedding and you just feel overshadowed by everything, even though the weight of being a teenager mm-hmm. and, and all of that, uh, it's a beautiful, it's beautiful movie. Beautiful, but there are some and problematic star, things. And stars one of, uh, one of the, our guests from, guests on the show. Yes, it does. Paul Dooley. Paul Dooley. Yes. He's fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. The, the issue is, uh, let's just start with Long Duck Dong and you can end it right there. Yeah. 
hilarious, great performance, and yet, for the time that it came out, that was not the same issue it is now. Right. However, there are other films in the John Hughes canon that that don't have a, as cringy moments right. in them. And for for that reason, I would I would remove it from the running but still say it is a it is a seminal film and and that there are a lot of very important parts to it. And it's a great cast. Robert very young Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh um Anthony Michael Hall is fantastic in it. Yeah, and it's, Molly Ringwald is. Uh, you she's know, perfect she's in su- it. She's superb. She's yeah. such. She's so talented as as an actor, and it, like at that young of an age, she gives a very she gave very mature performances mm-hmm. in all the films that she was in. That's sort of like a hallmark of of her as a performer. Well, don't worry. She's still. In this, she's it's Molly Ringwald, and we're talking about John Hughes. Yes, she's still in there. She will return. Yeah, she will return. Um, now I realize that, and maybe it's not fair of us because, but we do this a lot. We look at older things through a 2018 lens. Sure. Um, and I think for similar reasons, um, even though it's not an amazing, funny, hilarious, great movie starring Anthony Michael Hall, Kelly LeBrock. And, uh, Elon Mitchell Smith. Yeah. Um, weird science is about, uh, two guys who just make a lady. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. I, it's not, I, it's not the most Bechdel friendly movie. Certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. It treats women as objects. Right. And but it makes it really so funny. like, it's like so the the big the height of their existence is mm-hmm. to have sex with a lady, right? And to build which, a lady when you're that age, I yes. get that. I get sure. that as a driving thing in in youth. And sex has been used as comedy fodder for uh, as long as there have been people, laughs, and sex. Yeah, and I don't say this for like we should burn every print of this movie and it should no. go away. Certainly, if you watch it, you should be aware. That this is part of, you can't go into it thinking this is going to be totally okay and everything that they do right. will translate. What eliminates it, I, I, I agree with you is the fact that again, this is not his best, like there are better, there are better movies. There are better movies yeah. in his canon that we have not yet touched on. All right. You're next. Oh man. So we've eliminated three we've movies. We've already eliminated, so no, far? four. Four. Curly Sue, she's having a baby, weird science, and 16 candles. So that leaves plane, trains, and automobiles, Ferris Bueller's day off, the breakfast club, and Uncle Buck. I gotta cut Uncle Buck here. I know. I was Such gonna a say gr- it too. Another great John Candy performance, and, and I watched it again recently. I watched it like twice again recently. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's shorter than I, than you think it would be. I have never in terms noticed of, that. In terms of how it all resolves and how it moves, like it moves, uh, very swiftly. Laurie Metcalf has a great little bit as the, mm-hmm. as the horny neighbor. Um, Amy Madigan as, as Buck's longtime, uh, no, it's not, uh, it's, what is it? Who is it? It's Jean Louise K. Jean Louise, Jean Louise Kelly. Jean Louise Kelly. Uh, my mistake. Mm-hmm. My apologies. From Mr. Holland's opus. Yes. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's great. She's so good. She grounds the movie. A lovely person. Yeah. She did a, a, a charity event and was wonderful. That's great. Yeah. That makes me very yeah. happy to hear. Great lady. Um, a young Macaulay Culkin. This yeah. was his, this was the reason why he got home alone. I did not know that. Yes. I mean, I remember him in the movie, 
I'm a kid. That's my job. Yep. Yeah. That was just the, that little, the exchange, like Uncle Buck, Uncle Buck looking at Macaulay Culkin's character and talking to him as an adult. Yep. Is it's like, it's really refreshing to see an adult character talk to kids the way that Uncle Buck did. Yeah. And the way that he talked to, uh, the dog, the, the girl on the show, uh, Gabby Hop, played by Gabby Hoffman. Yes. The little, yeah. The little Amazing. daughter. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. It's such a great tale of him, of Buck learning to become a responsible adult mm-hmm. and learning the value. Uh, really, to me, ultimately, that film is about the value of family. Yeah. And, and that's such a John Hughes thing. Yes. Not only his realizing how important his family is to him, but his his brother and sister-in-law learning how important he is. Like, you can't just sweep him under the rug. Yeah. Because they need him, you know. He's he's sort of out of the picture. He's barely ever there. They don't invite him because he's an embarrassment until they need him, and and they're desperate, mm-hmm. and that's why he's there. And he's again, John can't boy. John Hughes knew how to use John Candy's talents, yeah, because he's so funny, and he's and he can play so funny and so sad, yeah, at the same time. And it is, oh man. That said. I think the three movies that we have left, this is going to be hard. Yes. We have, and I, I we can stop doing the eliminate one by one now. Okay, because good. we've got Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and The Breakfast Club. Can I ask, you were going to eliminate The Breakfast Club, weren't you? I was. Oh, I, I can't. I, I, that I, I know. Would've... And that was why I stopped. I was like, I don't <laughs> want to eliminate The Breakfast Club. Yeah. But, but Planes, Trains, and Auto- to me personally, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off meant more. But I realized, and that's why I stopped it, I realized The Breakfast Club might be the quintessential John Hughes movie. Because he deals yeah. with youth better than any other writer-director. And this is, here are all of the archetypes of youth in one room and he takes these archetypes you've got the the rebel the jock the nerd the uh the pretty popular girl the the, weirdo. Uh, the dark weirdo like you've got this group of misfits not even maybe not even misfits in their own uh you don't even think of them as misfits you think of them as archetypes but once they get together you realize that everyone is a misfit yes. and that kind of is the beauty of what John Hughes did for his entire career was everybody's a misfit Nobody is, nobody is great. Like that, you know what I mean? Like everyone is flawed, but everyone, nobody is great, but everybody can be good. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And it's such a great, there's such great stillness in the movie. Yeah. Cause they're forced to go to detention where they're supposed to be quiet. So the way that plays out, the, the silent moments are so great. And mm. the overall idea of the film, you know, when you're a teenager and even in your twenties and, and even a little younger, you're constantly looking for identity. So right. you, you find these groups and you find these easy definitions, you know, as they put in their letter at the very end. That's how other people define them. But yeah. they're, they're all, you, you learn and they learn how much they have in common, even though they're different from one another. Yeah. And that they're all, you, everybody's got a little bit of everything in them and that you can be a three dimensional complete person and not have to, to conform to one idea, whether, whether or not we never know afterwards, whether they go back to their lives the way they were, even though they say it won't be that way. Right. And it doesn't matter. It's not the point. No. The point is the experience that they have and what that means. Like, that's just a movie I identify with mm-hmm. in a very deep way. Every time I watch it, I'm just, 
I just sort of pulled in. And there's not a bad performance in that movie. No. I mean, they're all at the top of their very young game. Yes. And they're all, like, everyone went on to be a superstar. Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, Emilio Estevez, and Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. As the big five in that. And Paul Gleason is so Paul great. Paul Gleason is the best foil ever. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, he's, ah, uh, it's, it's, and like I said, I don't want to eliminate it. For me personally, it might, this might be it. Right. It might be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is such an amazing, fun, wonderful romp of a movie. And it's the, it's the only Thanksgiving movie, right? Are there other th- – I guess Home for the Holidays, is that Thanksgiving? Yeah. There's a few. Really. Yeah. There's, there's, it's the one we watch every year as our Thanksgiving movie. Sure. Um, and, uh, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a classic. Let's talk about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. Because it is it is a markedly different from the other two finalists in that it's not about teenagers. Right. It is about full-grown adults thrown together in the, mm-hmm. in the most hectic of circumstances, mm-hmm. trying to make what normally would be like a three-hour drive. Yeah. And it takes them like, uh, the, the duration of a movie and multiple days. Yeah. And it's great performances by Steve Martin and John Candy together. Mm-hmm. They're a great team. Um. Are there any flaws in this movie? I'm I'm asking you. I'm not I asking mean, you because I'm to set you up. What, what do you think? Once again, that we've got this. Now that we're we are recognizing the lens of 2018, right? And we say this as two straight white dudes. Not a lot of color in a John Hughes movie. True. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but that, as unfortunate as it is, that's not an outlier. Like that's. That's kind of a that's kind of a common denominator of all these movies. So it, we can't really right. We we can't use that as a as a factor. There's, I mean, I think its only flaw is that it's not. Oh man, this I, is. I'm not trying to eliminate it. I'm just curious. No, I know. But what popped into my head was the only. Its only flaw is it's not the Breakfast Club. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not iconically the Breakfast Club. Um. Yeah, I mean, there is, sure, it's, I don't remember every moment of it as well as I remember, uh, I mean, I loved it all, I always loved it growing up and the, and the, the characters are great, but yeah, it, it's just sort of capery, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. And there's, and it's the, moving bit to bit. It's move, it's bit, yeah, it, thank you. That's a great way of putting it. It moves bit to bit. So, you know, the, the deer in the car. Yep. Uh, one of the funniest scenes ever in a movie or, uh, when the guy is driving past and he's trying to tell them uh, that there's a fire in the back and John Candy just turns to the guy driving or no, they're going the wrong way. That's what it was. John Candy, when he's uh, another driver, is like, you're going the wrong way. And he's like, eh, and he does the little, this guy's been drinking. Face. Like, <laughs> There's so many great little bits in that movie. Yeah. But it's the whole is wonderful. The sum of the parts is wonderful, but I don't know if the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. If I could find, if I'm finding any flaw in it. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, let's stick a pin in it for now. Okay. Uh, and let's talk about Ferris Bueller's day off. Right. I mean, this film is, of these three movies, this film probably has the most iconic, uh, Lines, more moments. iconic moments, more iconic lines. Abe Froman, the sausage king of sure. Chicago. You're Abe Froman. Uh, life moves pretty fast. 
Like that, you know, the whole, uh, what is it? Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around in a while, you, you might you miss, miss it. it. Yep. And then, uh, when Cameron was in Egypt, land, let, let my, my Cameron, Cameron go. go. It's so like the car out the, and Cameron's the one who has the arc in this movie. Yes. It's yes, the, he is. The, Ferris Bueller does not change really beginning to end. No. As a character, he's always the ideal perfect thing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. and, uh, and Mia Sarah as, uh, it's Mia Sarah, right? Yes. Uh, Mia Sarah as his girlfriend. Yep. Is always perfect and kind. I mean, there are moments where they're, you know, they get a little deeper where they talk about their lives and family beyond what graduation is going to be. But the person who has an arc in this movie. Yeah. Is, uh, is Cameron. 100%. Um, and that scene toward the end where they, uh, where they destroy the car. Uh, where Cameron kicks the car, it falls off of the, uh, it falls off of the jack that it's on and goes out the window. Yeah. Cameron, after that scene, uh, is, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. The idea that, that he's like, my father's going to have to deal with me. Yeah. How deep his, like, you see him grow courage he's miles removed from the hypochondriac Mm -hmm. who thinks he's gonna die all the time right Uh, and yeah ferris bueller is is our host for the movie yeah more than he is the star jennifer gray is fantastic she is jennifer gray is uh like the the other characters in that movie jennifer gray and uh and jeffrey jones and Mm -hmm. edie mcjeffrey jones as the villain yeah. The, the principle in that is perfect. And Jennifer Gray, the moment when Jennifer Gray, who has hated Ferris Bueller for this whole thing, yeah. decides that she hates, uh, <laughs> that she hates the principal more. What's his name? Uh, what's the principal's name in that? He's, um, Ed, Ed Rooney. Rooney. Ed yeah. Rooney. Let me look. Yeah. Uh, yes. Ed Rooney. When yeah. she's like, you know what? He's still my brother. And screw this guy, Ed Rooney, for doing all of this stuff to hurt my brother. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to team up with Ferris. And his just look of awe when she winks at him at the end is... We've spoiled everything for all of these movies if people haven't seen them. Listen, that, movie's, that movie's been out for 32 years. Yeah. You should have um, seen it by now. Also, the triple kick to the face. Yes. Is one of the funniest sight gags. When she opens the door, sees Ed Rooney, screams, and then kicks him... Three kicks him three times in the face. <laughs> uh, Charlie Sheen is amazing. It's one uh, of his best roles. He's so funny. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think what it comes down to, I'm, I'm going to say this. I yeah. feel like we love planes, trains and automobiles. Sure. I think it's going to be Ferris Bueller's day off or the breakfast club. Okay. Now, does the, the amount of moved that you get by the breakfast club. I feel like it's the, it's the, it's the, the moving nature of the breakfast club versus the insane, ideal, pure fun. I mean, for God's sake, he gets up and sings twist and shout to an entire parade. Yep. Like it's not realistic. No. Uh, the realistic John Hughes, um, really funny, really heartfelt high school movie. Right. Or the, madcap John Hughes laugh a second iconic. That's what it feels like is the battle. 
to, to me, there's something I'm happy about, with either one, by the way. Yeah, me too. Uh, there's something about John Hughes that w- when I think of him, the first thing I think of is The Breakfast Club. Yeah. That that is his – even though Ferris Bueller is filled with iconic moments, mm-hmm. The Breakfast Club is like an iconic film. And it feels – it plays out for me almost like a play. Yeah. Like something you would watch on stage. And that makes it feel it's like a whole, collaborative – It's complete. It's- yeah. There's something about it that feels more personal. Mm-hmm. Than anything else, that, and that may that may not be true. That may just be my perception because of my attachment to it. Right. But it just feels like that is that is not only the best John Hughes film, but it is the most John Hughes film. Yeah. I think we got there. We did. We did. Just I like a John Hughes. I feel content about it. I feel content. It doesn't feel. This is a, not a long episode. No. We just, well, he only directed eight movies. That's right. We were able to get. Oh wait! No wait! 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 No! 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 What? Hold on a second. Uh oh. Beethoven. So now there are three movies in contention. <laughs> All right, we've got Beethoven. Beethoven. Home Alone. Home Alone. And The Breakfast Club. Hmm. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. <sighs> I think I have to eliminate Home Alone. Ooh. So it's up to you. Why do you have to stick me with the hard ones? Beethoven or The Breakfast Club? Beethoven or The Breakfast Club. They both start with the letter B. Sure. One has more words, though. Yeah. And more dogs. Well, that's, the other one yeah, has more two dogs. different the movies. Other one has yeah. More dogs. Breakfast Club doesn't have Charles Grodin in it. No. So it wins. You know what? Just for, I don't even know why. Just for craziness. <laughs> Let's go with the Breakfast Club. I think you're right. <clears throat> People of the world. Wait, I want to, I want to get this right. Dear people of the world, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Tuesday evening in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. What we did was wrong, but we think you're crazy to make us record a podcast choosing between John Hughes films. You see those movies as you want to see them, in the simplest terms, the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of them is a pair of teenagers building a sex robot. Jim Belushi running around town with a little orphan kid. A deadbeat uncle learning to be a responsible adult. That same deadbeat uncle on a plane, a train, and in an automobile with a wild and crazy guy. Elizabeth McGovern and Kevin Bacon in a movie I don't know if I ever saw. A day off. Some candles. And a group of misfits who find out that they have more in common than they thought originally. That answer your question? Sincerely yours. Asked and answered. Colette, thank you for that. Thank topic. you for the topic, Colette. That was really fun. Yeah, that was a great topic. There are so many others. We have a whole list, but we want you to add to that list all the time. Be adding, always be adding A B A B A. Uh, here's how you do that. You can email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Tell us your favorite John Hughes films and moments there. We can't wait to talk to you about it. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast or Reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or check out the Maximum Fun subreddit. Who knows? A flame war could be happening right now. I hope not. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus for lovingly putting together that list that I read off my phone. I didn't even do it justice. I know. Thank Gra- you, Kate. <laughs> yes. Graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, as always, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, our listeners. You know those feelings you get when you watch a John Hughes movie? 
Those are the feelings I get knowing that all of you are out there listening to this show and giving Hal and I an opportunity to do this once a week. So we love you and we thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.